thank you for joining us on The Skeptic Sidekick, where we delve into ancient societies, the ghosts, the paranormal, UFOs, all looking at it from the perspective of the true believer and from the skeptic perspective. Joining me, my partner, my co-host, my sibling, Kimber Rodriguez. Myself, I am Richard Gregg. And again, let's look into being the skeptic psychic. Hello, and thank you once again for coming to this wonderful thing that we like to call the skeptic psychic. I'm your host, Richard, and with me is always my co-host, my wonderful, intelligent, sassy, brave, clean, wonderful uh, type of sister, Kimber Rodriguez. Hey, how's it going? Doing fine. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. What's new in your life this week? Uh, well, I've been having a lot of uh, ear infections. Uh, today I sneezed and I felt stuff blowing out my ear. Oh, my. I uh, don't know. <laughs> so your sneeze came out your ear? I guess so, yes. Is that possible? Uh, well, you know, uh, Monty Python had a man with three noses. And, of course, of course, he had a little tissue paper, went, you know, blew his nose. Everybody applauded that he reached in his, you know, uh, you know did like that. Uh, he sat, heard the sound of somebody blowing their nose. And then he went to the other side and he heard the sound of uh, somebody, you know, blowing their nose. So I could see that. Okay. Um, I, I guess if you say so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so other than your ear infections and blowing out your, your ear, what else is new on your end? Uh, well, looking forward to actually discussing with you all the wonderful ghost stories. And we didn't realize it. We're going to probably have to do a part two, part three, and a special, special shout out to the wonderful monument of our hometown, the Alamo. Yes. So are we going to talk about the Alamo in this one? Or is that going to have to be in an episode all its own? It's got its own little special uh, kindred spirit right there. Because one, you know, the research we found, plus the, uh, our own personal, you know, experiences there in the, uh, you know, finding out the basement. I know we talked about it briefly uh, when we did our... Uh, San Antonio. San Antonio. But then again, we only scratched the surface. We even meant it we scratched the surface, you know. Definitely. So that may have to end up being an episode all on its own. Um, but before we get into the hauntings of the Old West, I do have another paranormal article that I wanted to share this week, if that's all right with you. Sure, go right ahead. Okay. Share, share, share. Everybody yes. share. <laughs> and we do um, welcome our viewers if they would like to comment on this episode or ask questions feel free to we are on Facebook on the Skeptic Sidekick we are also on Twitch live so you can check us out either one of those I'll also repost this video on YouTube so make sure you like and subscribe there you want to tell them where else they can find us while I'm bringing up this article? Uh, sure, they can find us wherever you have podcasts uh, format. Nine times out of ten, you can find us there. 
Uh, right now, we are on Restream Live here on Facebook. Yes, on Facebook and on Twitch. Twitch. So you can find us both there. Um, right. We do also, if you're listening to this recorded on a podcast, we ask that you rate us. Um, we usually like the five stars, but we'll take whatever we can get. You can uh -huh. learn from the bad just as you can the good. However, five stars in a review do help us to go up in their algorithms. So people are looking for us. They know where to find us. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to go ahead and share this interview. I'm sorry, this article, because I thought it, it was really interesting. And it kind of fits into the cryptozoology skeptic slash believers. I will also share this on our um, website. And we'll get your opinions on it. But it's written on the anomalian.com and this is an article that came out March 2nd of 2022 are dragons mythical creatures video and sound recordings refute this claim so it says that in Europe these days there's a whole institute that deals with proof of the existence of dragons they study various photos eyewitness accounts mysterious cases and meetings of the unexplicable now, they believe that dragons are dinosaurs endowed with some kind of magical properties, such as fiery or acid breath, uh, the ability to turn people to stone. It goes on to say, you know, most of us do believe in the existence of dinosaurs at one point in time. But the question is whether these creatures have continued to exist through time. Basically, they believe hypothetically that the fire breathing could be kind of like a upset stomach, acid reflux sort of thing that creates this, ignites this flame in their tummy, which shoots out their mouth. And says that in order for it to exist, it would have to be a lob lobbed fin fish where six fins became specialized, involved into limbs instead of just four. So they would have six limbs instead of four. Going on, it says you could also have a six-legged salamander, and these would take to land along with its four-legged cousins. Here it would probably follow a pretty similar line of evolution as the archosaurs, eventually letting two of those limbs go, or actually not go, but like to turn into wings, giving you a traditional dragon. So I don't want to read through the whole thing, but I just want to kind of go through it. It does go on to say that there have been a couple of sightings throughout time. In 2019, Chinese residents of Guizhou province began to uh, massively talk about the appearance of a strange winged reptile in the sky. And they did send an expedition to China in the mid-2020. Amazingly, it was possible to record a strange roar coming from the ground. Until now, geologists, physicists, biologists have not been able to find an explanation as to what this could be. They say that this mountainous region in this province of Giso, or I'm sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. It has hundreds of giant underground caves. So these could be possibly where they live. And basically from what they're saying, in order to actually prove these existence you wouldn't be able to prove it in a lab i don't know if maybe it's because they're so big that they wouldn't fit in the lab 
but they say that you would probably have to kill it to examine it. So uh, <laughs> why that, must you always kill in order to prove something? Well, it does at the end say that academic minds do not believe in dragons as well as snowmen, which is why, of course, the Yeti. But they do say that these relic creatures should not have to be killed for the sake of research. Um, but I am going to go ahead and share this article. I just kind of like gleaned through it, left a lot out because I didn't want to take up too much time on the article. But it does have a video here of five real dragons caught on camera in real life. So I will post that on our website. If you could, go ahead and uh, mention the fact that a scientific premise, possibly how a dragon uh, feels and sees and, you know, explanation to possibly collect it through the mythology as well. You would actually uh, have to read The Flight of the Dragon. It's a fictional book, but kind of takes a little bit of science into it. Uh, it's written by Peter Dickinson back in 1979. Okay. It was made into um, a TV movie, too. Bass Brothers did it, a, uh, believe it was uh, in 1980, 81, uh, starring John Ritter, James Earl Jones, Harry Morgan, uh, James Gregory, Victor Bueno, Don Mizak, and Bob McFadden. Yes, it is a fantasy movie. It came out in 1982, but it actually does have sort of a scientific approach exactly what dragons may or may not be. Interesting. Well, definitely uh, send me that information and I'll post that also on our website. But this article is also in our Facebook group, Skeptic Psychic. So our listeners are welcome to join us there and let us know what you think of this article. Do you think dragons could exist? Do you think that they are dinosaurs that have evolved through time? Or do you think it's all fantasy, fiction, fairy tale? type things mm -hmm. so let us know here live on our stream or you can also let us know on our facebook group or our website uh, skepticpsychic.com so do you want to kick off tonight's topic i'd love to kick off tonight's topic what state would you like to start on we have the dakotas we have kansas we have new mexico Let's start with the Dakotas. Alrighty. Now, start about Deadwood, which everybody knows from the wonderful, wonderful HBO production series, merely called Deadwood, about the lawless town. Go back in time to December 6, 1877. The Longstar building on Main Street. Bloody murder and suicide. Kitty LaRoe! A popular dancer, a poker player, was shot and killed by her husband, Samuel Curley. And then, mind you, Curley turned the gun on himself. Which begs the question, what made him so jealous to kill his bride? Was she a prostitute? Likely, given the times. But no one today can cast aspirations on her virtue with any certainty. Just the same. A month later, the Black Hills Daily Times reported that the shadow of a woman was seen now. In her wake, 
comes the sound of footsteps and a shadowy figure of a man following behind up the stairs. Both shadows melt away into the night, quietly. No boom, thunder, or stink of gunpowder like on that faithful day. But they are walking in peace, or at least retaking the fatal steps before their doom. In uh, 1883, the Long Star Building was destroyed in a flood, sweeping out the Gosodu away with it, possibly. And, yeah. you know, if you'd like to check out the Bullock Hotel town, don't be surprised if you smell the smell of cigars, even though these days most places are tobacco-free. First Sheriff, Mr. Seth Bullock, happens to be a resident there. Not only was he a resident, he built the place back in 1895. So it's only seemed fitting that he keeps an eye on the place. Uh, he was also known to took in victims of the cholera epidemic, including small children who stayed up in the ward setup that came to be known as Seth's Basement. One of these children, Sarah, little girl who watched her mother die before she herself passed away from the sickness. Little Sarah has been known to ask children who aren't being watched if they would come play with her in her room with some toys, leading them to the basement. I don't know. Little girl says, come play with me in the basement. Kind of really freaks me out there a little bit. So, However, the children do also see a tall man who tells them to get back to their parents' room and even escorts them there. Adults haven't seen this man but the children have been known to point out the picture of Seth Bullock and claim that he's the one leading them to the rooms downstairs. He's uh, nice enough to send them to their rooms. Yes. I don't know. Somebody telling me, go to my room. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. That works too well <laughs> these days, you know. Uh, young lady, for your parents. And you need to go get your parents. Who says? You know, that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> Who are you to tell me to go to my room? Yeah. <laughs> he does tend to be a kidder, though, as guests staying in his old room have reported that his antique desk clock will chime, even though it's been broken for years. Also, a replica hat of his that hangs on a wall has been known to move around the room when you aren't looking. Several other rooms have lights turning on and off, toilet paper on spilling itself on the floor, and radio channels changing. Mr. Bullock himself is very fond of that country western stations. That makes sense, being the West. My question is, though, does he like the classic country, or does he like the new country of today? Well, I don't know. Classic country, to me, starts about in 1969. But I've grown up listening to everything all the way up to 93, so... Well, my question is, does he like Carrie Underwood or does he like Willie Nelson or Patsy Cline? I think he's more or less a Tex Ritter fan. That makes sense. Maybe some Gene Autry thrown in there. Yeah. Sons of the Pioneers. <laughs> Sons of the Purple Sage. These are real uh, goots, by the way, you know. Yes. If you're into outlaws or in-laws, crooks and straights, we got to talk about Wild Bill Hickok. Well, Bill was a gambler. He was a sampler. He was a mile-high tracker. Went with Buffalo Bill's rodeo. 
and he was killed in Deadwood. If you've ever heard the uh, the term Aces and Eight, the dead man's hand, it's because of uh, Wild Bill Hickok. Because you got to understand, Wild Bill Hickok was basically uh, a man who had made a lot of enemies, a lot of friends, and like our father before, he always loved having his back to the wall. That way he could check out what's going on around him. And the day that uh, he died... He, uh, of course, is playing poker, and nobody would let him sit against the wall. In fact, the only seat that he was led to was in the center of the room with his back completely exposed as he sat down. And even though author of thing here in uh, Nutto and Man's Saloon, nobody wanted to switch places with him. Even though he assisted, he bribed. As he sit there playing poker, which again, his final hand was two aces and three eights, which was called the dead man's hand. A young man come busting into the bar itself and shot him. Some people have said that the gentleman was named Billy, basically because he had killed his paw, but shot him dead in the back. So he actually take a look at the chair when he was died in, uh, hangs around. In a Veveline case above the front door, the most famous tourist attraction, and oh, the most famous saloon museum. It is now renamed Saloon Number 10, if you want to check it out. And they do have a family-friendly bar where your kids can find all sorts of oddities uh, to look at. Or they can also go and have a big double cheeseburger right with next a stuffed two-headed cow. Two <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Well, let's get back to the tale of old Wild Bill. Like it said, there are claims of hearing his voices or f smelling of the fragrance of perfume. Some employees have flat out refused to go up the second floor, stating they had strange feelings below up there. And then, of course, you've got being shoved up against a wall. They've even had children go up out there. And there's been some female voices on EVP. The two-headed cheeseburger cow's calf's name is Double Cheeseburger. Oh, <laughs> I see. Thank you, our editor-in-chief, wonderful scriptwriter, Shauna, my love, my wife. Yes, thank you for that update, Shauna. She is our uh, researcher, so she's the one who brings us all these great facts that we share with you on the show. So kudos to her. There's also the Fairmount Hotel that has had numerous claims of activity on the third floor. These come from the tail end of the American frontier period, but it still was considered the Wild West. So we'll share that as well. On August 28th in 1907, Maggie Broadwater was a so-called upstairs girl. I'm not sure if that means that she was a prostitute, a lady of the night. She could have been a maid. She could have been the one that could take care of all the upstairs rooms, you know. Well, it's quote unquote upstairs, upstairs girl. That's what I'm saying. It could have been, <laughs> could have been a maid. Come on, people. Okay. Well, it goes on to say that she jumped from a third floor window says so she was waiting for a portion of her inheritance to come through. But in a deranged mental state, she leapt to her death. Again, okay. she might have been pushed. 
why would she jump to her death if she was waiting for money? That's what I'm saying. She might have been pushed. <laughs> okay. It took three days for her to die. She had lacerated organs, internal bleeding, and severe pain. During this, she was conscious until about 40 minutes before her demise. She's been seen in the room where she left, and a woman with red hair wearing a green dress standing there. At least she's not a woman in white. She's got a green dress. She's been known to just stare at people sleeping in her quarters. Just the same thing, but just stands there staring at you before just fading off. Now, Shauna, since you're listening in, I have a question for you, since you did our research for you. I remember hearing a story, and I don't know if it was this one or another, where the woman died, and they took her through a tunnel underneath to a different place where she died, and it was assumed to be foul play, but they didn't want to admit to it. So they just said that she killed herself. Is this the same one or is this a different story? Or is this the next story, which is about vinegar? Oh, different gal. Thank you. Thank you for that. I had heard a very similar story. So that's why I was wondering if it was the same one. I mean, we can also talk about this another wonderful uh, sweet lady. Her name is Princess Bernard. And people would call her Vinegar Rowan, who actually shot a man who was sleeping with his girlfriend that same year. To be honest, Vinegar was already sleeping with other men, saying she was the sweetheart, was with a prostitute. Maybe this client paid her a little bit too close of attention. Maybe she fell in love with this client. We'll never know. But the story goes that Vinegar shot the man in a jealous rage. Then trying to stuff the pistol back into his pants, the gun went off and wounded Vinegar. He I'm ran sorry. down the stairs and out the hotel where he eventually collapsed and died. Guests have claimed that they've got the feeling of someone running past them and down the stairs. Could that be poor Vinegar running from the crime? Or is he still rushing out to find help? So, like um, I said... I I don't want to know what he shot off. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Went down his pants, gun, ex gun went off. Don't know well, what he she, shot she, off. Basically, she shot him. He jumps up as he's trying to put the gun back into his pants and gets shot herself and dies. So he's up and running, and next thing you know, he runs out <laughs> the middle of the street, and boom, he's dead. I mean, <laughs> that's... The that is that ghost story that you can actually see, you know. Ghost been seen running out of the stairs and into the night. It sounds like um that stage name Holden McGurlin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That is the original story. <laughs> oh, okay, enough of Deadwood. Uh, let's go ahead and mosey on down to Tombstone, Arizona. Yes, uh, let's, let's go into Tombstone. Everybody knows what Tombstone is, you know, because basically we have such a, a wonderful back history that, you know, that when you go into Tombstone, the hell's coming with you. Yes, yeah, so I'll be your Huckleberry. Yes. Yeah. Right next to the uh, wonderful town of Tombstone, or at least on the edge of it, is basically wooden crosses. Some of them have been run away. Some of them have been stolen by souvenir seekers or trampled by the open-range cattle. The headstones out on Boot Hill 
are newly replacements, while the most famous grave sites could be correctly placed due to public memory. Many others, however, whose families have died off or moved away, or the people who are less memorable or notorious have guessed that. What's more, some of the bodies from Boot Hill were moved by their families to the new cemetery that was formed in 1884. Apparently, some of the decent folk rather have their family corpse dug up and reburied in the new cemetery, rather than them allowed them to decay along the side of uh, what Boot Hill is known for, a.k.a. thieves and murderers. Now, this is the one that there's the famous photo of the apparition, correct? Mm-hmm. Of, correct. It looks like an old cowboy. Right. So I'll try to find that photo and post it for our viewers and listeners in case they haven't seen that one. Right. Let's look at the people who live there in the graveyard. And I say live. Sometimes they do have spirit. We have the wonderful uh, lady, Sing Choi which everybody called in the town China Mary. She was the undisputed ruler of the Chinese neighborhood there in Tombstone. She ran the general store as well as a few opium dens and even supplied women of the red light district with their drugs. Even though all that wonderful thing, she's been known to be kind, generous, and compassionate. She died from a heart attack in 1906. We have a comment from our wonderful Shauna, our researcher. She said, Boot Hill no longer has the wooden crosses. They have actually now been replaced with stone markers. So that's that's interesting to know. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing because you are caring. <laughs> and um, we also have Dutch Annie, as you were saying, who was a prostitute and madam. She was known as the queen of the red light district and was known for not only giving generously to worthy causes. Okay. I'm wondering what she was giving to her quote unquote worthy causes. <laughs> She's been, uh, been known to give to the church. Anytime someone down on their luck, she was good for a sob story. You know, she was actually a very generous woman. Mm-hmm. A lot of worthy causes, you know, Hey, the doc needs a larger place for, uh, seeing patients. Dutch Annie, hey, I, I understand that. Here's a couple of hundred dollars off to the side here, you know. Uh, her funeral drew more than a thousand citizens from every level of society. Real name? We don't know. So we could say yes. Dutch Annie Anonymous. Do, 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 do. And it has been claimed that she specifically haunts the town or the local cemetery. And... Did you mention where China Mary's phantom has been spotted in the cemetery? And no, her being not. the woman in red? She might be the woman in red. Or it might be... Uh, what says uh, that China Mary is known now as the woman in red in Tom's Tombstone. Um, and she has been spotted in the cemetery. Uh, uh, we also have... Uh, again, she's not a woman in white. Yes. Yes, our friends over at Ghostly Podcast will be happy to know that she's not a woman in white. She is a woman in red. Right. The woman in red. She's waiting for me. <laughs> the lady in red. No, woman you in see? red was uh, Stevie Wonder. Yes, Remember? I know. <laughs> yes. Kaylee LeBrock's first movie with Gene Wilder. Yes. Then, of course, there's Billy Clanton. Mm-hmm. William Curly, Bill Broncus, and Tom 
and Frank sorry, and Tom and Frank McClory. Mm -hmm. They were all included in the shootout of OK Corral. Right. Clanton is said to be the most popular poltergeist, as it is said he rises from his grave every night and is known to spend time in his gravesite before heading down to Allen Street on his way to the OK Corral. He is seen to draw his pistol almost as if he's hoping to redo that and will turn the tide and allow him to walk away this time as a living man. Also, he's been known to hang out at his favorite hangouts, such as the Birdcage Theater, where he would see prostitutes sing and dance dressed in brightly colored feathers. Also been spotted at Big Nose Kate's Saloon, which, is, which once was the Grand Hotel where he slept the night before the shootout. Uh, neither the hotel, uh, which was burned down in 1882, two years after, or the saloon, which bears her name now, has anything to do with that plucky woman who was Doc Holliday's common-law wife for 11 years. <laughs> Shauna says, at least China Mary isn't boring and wearing the same dress. As everyone else. As everyone else does. <laughs> yes, that is true. However, speaking of Big Nose Kate, she lived a long life because she passed away in November of 1940. The second? Just five days before it would have been her 90th birthday. So she lived up there. She died there in uh, Tombstone, Arizona, but spent a few years after the shootout in Colorado. While most claim do not she haunts Tombstone, few believe that she, her spirit stayed at the uh, Crystal Palace Saloon, where she lived during the time of, with Doc Holliday. Uh, I kind of hope she did, actually, because, I mean, if you think about it, that would be a place that had a lot of memories for her, being there with the lo her love, Doc Holliday. To me, that would be a place of a lot of happier memories. Well, so. I, I also, I kind of believe that... Uh, while Doc Halliday was a womanizer and a poker player and a man who, was, uh, because of his TB, did not want to live, I think that she did probably pass on so that way she can be with the man she truly loved all these years. That could be. Yeah. Kind of like a Betty White situation? Maybe. Yes. Talking about the corral... Justice Jim Burnett is supposedly spotted as well. And they say he's still filled with bullet holes. Before we leave this wonderful uh, tombstone, let's talk about the Grand Hotel. It's been known to be stalked by a man called the Swamper. He was no gun tooting outlaw, but rather the handyman who was allowed to stay in a small room in the basement. Swamper was known to be friendly, but a crucial. When not working, he'd be in his basement bedroom when no one else was allowed. The Grand Hotel was a hotel on the main and upstairs floor. But to get to Swamper's bedroom, you had to walk past a Biddy's bar set up in that same very basement. So why would he want to spend so much time in seclusion and alone with all those bar noise and chaos right outside? Turns out that he didn't really mind too much of the noise. When he died, they discovered that that from his bedroom, he had dug a tunnel shaft that led to a silver mine in the area. Pretty much a mine that he had no rights to. He just built himself a little tunnel and uh, taking his own personal time getting to it. But no one ever saw him carry silver out of the room, nor did he take anything to the assayer's office. It's supposed that he stashed his silver somewhere in the mine ship, 
but no one as of today has yet to find it. People are still not welcome in Swamper Space. They approach the room, hear loud moaning and footsteps on the staircase as someone's coming to keep them out. Young men are very unwanted, being pushed, poked by unseen hands, and Swampers have been known to be uh, mischievous elsewhere. He's blamed for messes, objects being misplaced, and then one side even stated spontaneous combust, so certain objects have blown up in somebody's face. He's been spotted on the staircase, but most frequently uh, in his basement bedroom itself. Yes, and Wyatt Earp has been seen at the OK Corral, even though he actually died in 1948 in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, in 1929, which was 48 years later. Right. Um, Marshal Fred White was accidentally shot by Curly Bill, and he has been known to haunt the Bird Theater, which is where he was shot. Birdcage Theater. Birdcage Theater, thank you. There was a cowboy in a long black frock coat that has been seen crossing the road near where Virgil Earp was shot. And up oh, we have a woman in white. I think I'm going to get a uh, bell for every time there's a woman in white. Yes. She's but a mother of, uh, who's lost a child from yellow fever in the 1880s and in her misery hung herself. Others stating she was a brothel man, uh, madam who was hanged and is still looking for her executioner. So, woman in white. Yes, we definitely have to get a bell for all the women in white. I still want to know why in white? There were other colors back then, people. Why right. do they um, always have to be wearing white? If anybody knows why they're wearing white, please let us know. This is something that's plagued me and, and I've wondered for quite a long time. The old birdcage has a stagehand wearing a black striped pants and holding a clipboard as he walks across the stage. White Earp, who's been placed in one of the booths in the upstairs balcony overlooking the bar. Uh, the statue's hat would be found on the bar floor in the morning. One time the statue was turned into the night so its backside was visible. Uh, it continued until a historian pointed out the head white statue in the booth typically reserved by the Clayton's rather than the one that White frequent. Also, you once can hear... I'm sorry, go ahead. Once the statue was moved to the correct spot, the mischief finally stopped. You can also hear sounds of laughter and smell cigarette smoke. You can hear women singing and the music system turning on and blurring old-time music. Loud clanks, moans, and the sounds of card shuffling as the clinking of drink glasses have also been reported. So... They're still having a party there, it sounds like. Right. Our resident uh, researcher says that white material is cheaper as the die costs money. White also stands out of the night, so you're sure to be seen. China uh, Mary's red dress would be harder to see for someone who's colorblind, so who knows? That's a very interesting thought. Thank you, Shauna. Um that explains but, why there's so many spirits wearing white dresses from turn of the century. Well, you could say turn of the century. Uh, actually, there's been stories of the woman in white far back as the Middle Ages. This is true. I know, because I always picture the Middle Ages, especially the poorer people wearing brown, because I know a lot of times their clothes were made from, like, sacks and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I've just seen too many movies. They've always got them dressed in the peasants wearing brown. 
Right. <laughs> so thank you for that, Shauna. Yeah, let's go ahead and move us back up north of South Pass City, Wyoming, to the wonderful place of the Bartlett Inn. They've opened this boarding house for gold miners there in 1868. The Bartlett family did. With money in their pockets to help them travel to the gold fields, or miners with gold already in hand would stop for a snake, a steak, and bed for the night, preferring it with Polly Bartlett warming it. Uh-huh. Whether it be the steak or the bed, but I'm not sure. The unexpected guests would be filled arsenic, stripped of all possessions, and then their bodies buried in a coral. A corral. corral. Yes. On their property. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So Polly Bartlett was uh, making sure they had a fresh steak and a fresh... You know what this reminds me of? What's that? You know what this reminds me of. Yes, I do. All in all, the bodies of the estimated 22 men were found on the Bartlett property. More than likely, you know, 22 men based on quality time with a nice piece of steak and a nice piece of Miss Bartlett. Yes, I'm wondering, was arsenic and old lace based on this story by any chance? No, <laughs> it wasn't. It, it's very similar. Yes. While on the run, Mr. Bartlett was shot by a former police officer and Polly while under arrest and awaiting trial, was shot through the window of her jail cell by a friend of one of the victims. So neither one of them got off pretty much scot-free. Nope. Neither one of them did. So, okay, I get it. Okay, Arsenic and Old Lace was two old women. This was a husband and wife duo. So Right. That's where the difference comes in, but still. Right, yeah. Let's hop over to the... Uh... Oregon Trail and meet up with trail pioneer Sam Barlow, who was not a very well-loved man. Uh, having blazed the Barlow Road along the Columbian River Gorge and Mount Hood, pioneer wagon trains followed. While it was not an easy task, especially on the cattle made thin and tired from long miles, and pioneers themselves, having walked for about a month through hot weather, cold storms, rain, mud, dust, Flowers, snakes, wild animals, and the occasional angry tribe of the Native Americans. By the time pioneers reached Laurel Hill, they were a fraction of their former selves. The hill, easily the worst spot on Barlow Road, was so steep that wagons had to be dragged up one downside and then tied with block and tackle to be slowly lowered to the other side. For those who had not brought along rope or had rope that had been worn too thin and threatened to snap, those wagons would be hurtled down the hill to their death. While it would make things even worse that each party had paid Mr. Barlow the outrageous sum of $5 just for the permission to use the road he created back in 1845. Bad as the road is... It was worse even to go downstream through the rapids of Columbia or take even a more expensive fairway, one that would charge per person as well as per wagon. At the bottom of that hill was a camp that seemed to be more and more permanent, where travelers would stop to rest, heal their wounds, and bury their dead. And today, that place is haunted, called Rhododendron Village which is an old logging camp that the Cascade Geographic Society is drawing back to how it looked in the 1890s. Such things have been seen as glowing orbs, uh, no piano in front of photographs, 
a woman's face. Hopefully she's not wearing white. Maybe she's wearing a nice floral pattern. It's reflected if she'd been sitting there playing, even though no one was seated at the piano at the time. Uh, there's a door to the mess hall, lies between the cook sleeping quarters and the kitchen area. It says to be open every morning at 4 a.m. And I guess, you know, that may be that ghostly cook, you know, making sure that breakfast gets ready. Dedication. Proud of it. Two previously unknown graves were discovered there in 2001 over by the mess hall. Apparently one belonging to a pioneer and the other to a Native American. After photos of the graves were developed, strange orbs hovered overhead. Orbs. I'm thinking that was probably dust from the, the graves. Bugs. Mist. Or maybe it was just a couple of ghosts ready for breakfast. Oh, flash, flash photography, you know. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and leave behind this village. And right. so we want to talk about Fort Riley. Yes, let's go ahead and, and talk about the protection of a military fort and all of the soldiers with guns to keep scary things at bay. All right. Did you know that Custer's wife uh, lived at the fort at the time? Hmm. Interesting. Fort Riley was erected in Kansas in the fall of 1852, though it wasn't called that at the time. Originally, it was called Camp Center, as it was smack right in the geographical center of the United States. Powers that be named it properly before a full year had even passed. This fort's purpose was to protect the pioneers and traders that were heading along the Oregon, California, and Santa Fe trails. A lot of people came and went over the years, including Wild Bill Hickok. But it was before his date with Destiny at Deadwood at the poker table. Well, obviously, if he was, you know, dead in Deadwood, I don't see how his body could go back to the fort. But no one knows who brought it in. But for a few short years, the fort was established. There was a cholera breakout. And the epidemic only lasted a couple of days at the fort, but it left somewhere between 75 and 125 people dead. So, as you were saying, let's, now you can tell us about Libby. Libby, she was one of the victims of that cholera problem. Basically, she met her husband there. When he, uh, he had heard of the cholera epidemic, he was out of a military campaign elsewhere. He promptly selected his finest men, turned his command over to another officer, and hightailed it back to the fort as fast as he could. Now, his wife Libby was still in good health when he arrived, but Custard himself was court-martialed for deserting his unit and stripped of his command for an entire year because of it. But then, of course, we all know what happened about a, I guess, a year later when he got it back. He told her, honey, you know, I promise you, this will be my last custard stand at Little Bighorn. It was his last stand. <laughs> yeah. At Little Bighorn. Yes. The restless spirits of the dead victims of the cholera have been blamed for the hauntings that can be found today at the fort, as well as in Custard's home, which is now a museum. And witnesses report hearing or seeing a dark group of riders galloping across the fort's grounds. Right. These specter riders are believed to be Custard's escort as they raced to where his house once stood. One rider, 
possibly George himself, it seemed to dismount from the horse and stride towards the home while the rest of the troop turned and ride away. Strange noises can be also be heard upstairs, including what sounds like someone pulling on a boat and then stamping his foot on the floor. I'm sorry, pulling on their boot, not a boat. <laughs> he's not on a boat. Are you, are you sure he's not uh, going a boot? No, he's pulling on his boots and stamping on the floor when nobody's there. And a teddy bear in the children's room will not stay in place. It could be left on a bed when the museum closes for the evening, and the next morning it's found somewhere else, such as sitting on top of a rocking horse in the room. Beds often appear to have been slept in, and you get the sensation that you're being watched. Not in a particularly kind of way, but in a more of the original inhabitants keeping an eye on you and aware that you're there. The Fort Cemetery also has its share of ghosts thanks to the epidemic. General Louis Armistead, who died at the Battle of Gettysburg as his frequent haunt and seen weeping over his wife's grave as she was one of the many victims of the outbreak. Another victim stands outside her old home demanding to be let in because she has yet to realize that she no longer claims the home or is in need of an earthly home. Well, basically, she yet to realize that's not her home anymore and she hasn't followed the light to her heavenly home so who knows yes we can just go ahead and come back to this wonderful topic of ghost stories and uh, seeing the lights and yes again if you like what you hear you can always rate us at apple podcast we do like the five stars but we will take whatever you give us um, we can also be found on YouTube, like and subscribe there, as well as Twitch. If you have any comments or anything else you would like to share with us, you can always email us at info at skepticpsychic.com. Anything else you'd like to add this week? Basically, we love you, and we look forward to uh, coming back to, uh, to get to know you a little bit more. So make sure you share with your friends. Um, like I said, if you have anything you'd like to share with us or any questions you have about what we're discussing, you can always chat with us on Facebook. I'm sorry, on Facebook Live or mm -hmm. even with Twitch. And we will, as we've been doing with our great researcher, Shauna, um, we will share your comments on the air. And yeah, that's about it for tonight then. Exactly. We love you. And uh, as we like to say, unpleasant nightmares. Sweet dreams, everybody. Good night. Good night.